What's up, Matthew Freeman Show listeners, where real, raw, and unedited is the standard. The reason I like to go real, raw, and unedited is so that you get the authentic conversation that occurs. We're not taking anything out. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. That being said, I'm really excited to bring this next show to you. Chris Barber, a longtime friend of mine that's been in the fitness industry, was actually my coach for nutrition at uh, different points in time and just has become like a true friend and colleague. So right now, Chris owns Apex Lifestyles with his wife, Kayla, and they do integrative lifestyle coaching, nutrition coaching, and personal training. What I know that you'll find when you listen to Chris is someone who cares deeply about the whole person. He definitely knows how to take you from the couch to the stage because he's been well known as a bodybuilding coach in the industry for years. But where him and I connected is he really always wanted so much more for his clients. Yes, he had the skills, talents, and abilities necessary to train someone to obtain a physique that could go on stage, be judged as a winner in a bikini or a figure show, or some level of a bodybuilding slash, uh, I think they have a fitness show at this point. Um, He had the skills, talents, and abilities to do so, and he did that so many times in his career. But Chris always knew that there was something more, something more that he wanted to give to his clients, something more that he wanted to help people do. And what he's done in his integrative lifestyle coaching is to help people navigate through pain points, to help people establish lifestyle habits outside of the gym that will enhance the gym experience, but but more importantly, enhance life in and out of the gym. Chris really cares about each and every client and what is going on in their business, in their relationships, financially. And that's why him and I connect so much. Like, yeah, sure, we could teach you how to deadlift. Sure, we could help you lose weight. Sure, we could teach you what protein, carb, and fat is. But if we just give you that knowledge and we don't teach you what it help help teach you or help you discover what what it means to you and what it can do for you, then really we haven't done our full job. And uh, we've over the years had hundreds of conversations sitting at Pete's, and over those years we've you know discussed books and we've discussed profession and we've you know just shot the shit about life you know I, uh chris is a, a parent now and so we've discussed parenting and marriage and you know the the good and the bad and the ugly the things that i was successful with and the things that i wasn't and then i get advice from him and and we've just had so many of those conversations we thought man we got to put this on a podcast We're also super eager to share 
you know, project that we're working on. Hopefully that comes out a little bit in the podcast. But without much further ado, we're going to listen to a conversation between me and my good friend, Chris Barber, owner of Apex Lifestyles. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Matthew Freeman Show. As you heard in the intro, I am sitting here with the one and only Chris Barber, an integrative lifestyle coach, nutrition coach, and personal trainer. How you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Excited to be here and excited to uh, be a, a guest on the podcast. I love what you're doing with it. Excellent, man. Yeah, man, we've had these conversations for... Years. What? Yeah, I mean, yeah. years. So it's, it's just a good place to be able to like come together and share some of the insight you've shared with me over the years. Um, tell us a little bit about like, let's catch, let's catch everybody who doesn't know you up to speed a little bit. How did you end up first in personal training and nutrition coaching? And then how did that kind of move into more lifestyle coaching? How's that taking place? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. I, I kind of had to seek out the the way to present that myself for a long time. And I think my journey in personal training really got me to, you know, some, some clarity on what that is. And it was, it was pretty serendipitous how it all came to came about because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was doing the, you know, the right thing, kind of the general, general path in life, going to school after, after high school and just going to the JC with the thought that I wanted to get into kinesiology and wanted to be, maybe a strength coach or, or something along those lines. And my mentor now, or, you know, that got me started in personal training, um, was my parents' personal trainer, Chris Jantz. And I was 15 at the time. I was playing sports. I was always an athlete. And my parents got me a gift card to go see him for some personalized programs. Um, I went in there. It was just completely, uh, completely embarrassing, to say the least at 15 trying to squat and uh, thinking I was doing all the right things, eating Hot Pockets and Cheerios for pre-workout and <laughs> every meal of the day. And so that really set the foundation for me. And fast forward to, you know, post high school, going to college, just kind of going through the motions, a um, little bit of a tumultuous time in my life and for my family. And he reached back out to me and said, hey, I have an opportunity if you want to come down and shadow and kind of just be around the gym and be in the environment and you know at some point if you want to take on clients and can keep the clients um, you have a place to do that here and so it really just evolved out of that and one of my first clients is was my girlfriend at the time which was like the ultimate test um, how'd my, you get through that one it, it was a battle I'll tell, I'll tell you that um, but that made our relationship stronger we're still together now we're married and have a baby and uh it just built from there, man. It just really snowballed. Um, you know, I I stopped going to school and I just went right into starting to build my client base and building my business. And um, it just gave me a sense of direction opposite of where I was headed and the people that I was involved with and the lifestyle that I was living. You know, it was kind of like a double life, going to the gym all the time and being health conscious on my terms. But then the people I was hanging with and the things I was doing with those people, um, just had a, a pretty bad ending to it if I stayed on that path. So I would really credit personal training for steering my life in the right direction and um, 
you know, out of that, my business just grew and it became more about pursuing, you know, the transformations and helping people and seeing the impact that the work I could do was having for people and uh, led me into the, the realm of natural bodybuilding and competing and continuing to be an athlete there. And so, so where are we at on the journey here? Because I met you in 2010. So, is... so at that point, I was two years into my personal training career. Okay, and before before 2010 or, or around 2010 when I met you, you were still living this Harvey Dent lifestyle where like by day you look like this really healthy individual and by night, you know, you were still living like a college student per se. and Totally. Okay. Totally. And super uh, just unhealthy mentally, you know, physically looking healthy, but mentally unhealthy and um, had a lot of stuff to work through because of, of what my life you know, was um, exposed to at that time and just the things that were catching my attention versus what I was actually committed to. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of a, a real eye-opener for me and just having to get disciplined not only in my fitness but in my life. And, uh, you know, the natural bodybuilding part of that journey kind of took place from um, 2000, I would say 2009 until about 2014 was really the window of of competing and being like fully immersed in that and so natural is no drugs no 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 stimulants no no help or assistance other than chicken rice broccoli like some heavy lifting maybe a little pre-workout like was like could you still take c4 or would, would that be no no that was within the the uh, window of, of approved supplementation. Could you drink an entire red line? Um, I don't know if that would come up caffeine-wise, uh. caffeine but that was definitely uh, not my choice of stimulant. Dude, red line have me off the hook. Anyways, yeah. that's like a side note. Red line is this drink. It says drink half. But you always drink the whole but thing. But you always drink the whole thing. And then when you Google it, you find out that it's inducing weight loss by causing shivering and sweating. And, uh, oh man, that, that's total side note and total true. But you know, when you're trying to go natural, I don't recommend red line for really anything. And they actually make bang bangs kind of tasty, but that won't have you shivering too. Do you know that they kind of make bang? Oh, the same company? Yeah. I had no idea. It was still like, that's it's like right now. in line with red line and it is, it is the big thing right now. Like, yeah. But it tastes good. <laughs> tastes good. So anyways, you're a, you're natural bodybuilding. This is like, this is kind of around the time, you know, we met, right? You're kind of in the middle of your career. You're competing. Yep. But you're also coaching people at the same time you're competing. You're kind of like dual, right? You're on your own journey, but you're also kind of helping people on their journey. Yeah. It kind of, it was kind of just like the natural, natural course for me to, to take, I think, as a, as a competitor and someone that was, like, living that lifestyle. Um, it just so happened that I, you know, could make a living transferring that knowledge and experience to others and, you know, helping them see through that goal and, and that path. And, um, you know, that was, a, that was a pretty intense period. It's definitely an intense endeavor, regardless of, of whoever's doing it or where they're starting or what division they're competing in. Um, if they do it once or 10 times, it, that's what got me to where I am now. 
and I think a lot of my experience and the you know contrast that came from that between quality of life and goal and how the repercussions play out from from those things um you know and it can be positive and sometimes it's negative and so yeah I think my project now that I'm I'm really passionate about and moving into um in which is apex lifestyles my wife's on board as well as a coach and we're really just committed to helping people live a quality of life whether it's in the realm of being a competitive athlete but looking at life from a holistic perspective and anytime you're devoted or committed to one area of your life you know fitness per se invariably the other areas are going to suffer yeah yeah, yeah and so it's like the risk mitigation of how do we set this goal and also forecast where things might break down and then what would be some alternative solutions so that we can sustain this process instead of just being like goal happy and not thinking about you know the future well let's not gloss over that so let's go back just a little bit and i don't know how much you want to like share but like where was like Okay, so I heard your mentor describe bodybuilding a couple times as like walking through the desert with like a 40 pound sack with no food, no help and no one around on your own for weeks on end towards the end. Yeah. And now it's like he's like, that's the best way I could describe how lonely and crazy of a journey it is. And that's like to get on stage. Yeah. But, you know, you can share what, what you want to share or not share, but. Also, I know that your wife competed as well, and and so she's part of Apex Lifestyles. And what occurs after you've come off stage and reintegrating back into life, and and having you know a, a reverse dieting plan, and going from being nearly antisocial, you know, because you kind of have to be, mm-hmm. to you know, wanting to be social again. But also understanding that, like, I can't just go out and put my body through, you know, a night of cake and partying or I'm going to have some potential negative ramifications there. So was it like, well, what went on there to literally have the two of you kind of flip the switch from like this really competitive driven direction to kind of going, no, there's more. There's more to it. There's there's a way to manage this pain and compete. There's a way to like reintegrate without throwing off your hormonal system. There's a way to seek this goal without it dominating your life prior to stepping on stage. And why are you stepping on stage in the first place? Is the goal really to step on stage? Or was the goal to actually prove to yourself you could be disciplined and structured enough to to create some change in your body or was it really about building self-esteem like you know what was it and so what was your experience what changed there because I know you competed then you took like two years and you competed again and then I remember at one point you just kind of going like not it's not for me anymore I'm not competing I'm not going down that alley but you still continued to help some people so kind of just help our listeners understand like I mean, you're really humble about it. You know, it's like, ah, I competed and now I'm I'm about... But, like, the reality was something happened there that changed your thinking or began to change your thinking. So take us there real quick and and then we'll jump back into Apex. Yeah, absolutely. And in no way 
do I want to put a, a negative twist on the sport or the process? Because there's a lot of people that talk bad about, I mean, I can't really compare this to, to going to war. And there's a lot of people that would have a negative, you know, association with what that represents. But there's a lot of people that pride themselves on going there and doing that multiple times over. And that just is something they're called to do. And I know my mentor now, you know, Chris Jantz, who is a, a lifelong natural bodybuilder, pro natural bodybuilder, that's, that's his element. Like he's going to live, live by that and live and breathe it. But I think for me, the biggest thing that came out of it, and I know for Kayla as well, my wife, um, at first it was, it was simply about the, the vanity, really, to be honest, it was about the looks, it was about chasing the body and, um, we loved the process. We loved the lifestyle and just what that entailed and the journey of getting ready and being prepared for, for the event. But I honestly would get to the event and there was nothing about the event that I enjoyed. Like it was, it was a burden to be there. It was a burden to like go through the process, to get on stage, to get the outcome. Even when you win, it, it just was like so short lived and it was more about the transformation that happened, like where you had to go in your mind, where you had to go in your body, um, what you had to do to be able to like be a functioning member of society on a daily basis and take your body to those lengths in a twisted way that was, you know, um, appealing to me. And I found that so many other areas of my life would suffer every time I did it. I would get my fix, you know, of starting and finishing and then there would be a lot of damage control trying to like pick up the pieces and there's that cyclical behavior that just kind of would repeat itself because that was what I knew and that's what I was kind of accustomed to in terms of like my fitness and my you know process of what what it meant to like push myself and I had to set another goal which was do another show and do that you know multiple times over and um, really in the end, it was kind of a pursuit to self-awareness and self-acceptance. So it started out as vanity. Totally. And then you realized when you worked super hard to change your body in such a way that proved to yourself that you could get the best or most ideal body composition that your body would allow given the work, you would jump up onto that stage and there was, there was nothing about showing off in front of other individuals that truly lit you up. What lit you up was the process of taking yourself to the maximum capacity that your body could go in this case, or that your mind could go, you know, uh, you know, pushing forward when there was eight weeks left and it's like, oh man, this is going to be a tough eight weeks, but I got to double down on you know, my cardio, I got to double down on my, you know, making sure my meal prep and I'm down to X number of calories. And I, I feel like, you know, this rice is never ending, you know, and other times I wish I had like double the amount of rice, like, you know, so, so you, you're challenged emotionally, spiritually, physically, you're drained, but, but that's the part you loved, right? Yep. I was, I loved everything about that. And also the way that it would affect others in a, in a positive way outside of myself the way it would motivate people and people feed off of you know someone pushing themselves to 
those lengths, what, regardless of whatever they're doing competitively, but it just creates this vortex of like people wanting to up their standards and, and my client base and the environment that I was in that became like a motivating factor for a lot of people. So do you think like, okay, so I, I did a recent episode on, you know, modeling and being a role model. And, you know, in this case, as a trainer, like, I do think people want to hire a trainer that exudes, you know, confidence, commitment, discipline, all of these things. But don't you also think that sometimes there's this huge gap of like, yeah, you could do that, but I'm way over here and there's no way I could get way over there. And at the same time, there's the person that's over here that's like, I want to go there. Tell me what to do. But if you tell them exactly what they would need to do, there's so many steps skipped that it's hard for them to gain momentum and it actually is like detrimental to their potential prog- progress, which is probably how you kind of came to this integrative, holistic, you know, coaching to say like, hey, I know that's the ultimate end goal, but we got to get some checkpoints. We got to make sure that the end goal is for all the right reasons. And let me map out for you a realistic time frame for that end goal. And then you can tell me if that's still the end goal or if an alternative comes to play. Because I mean, I know that I know that when I set out to step on stage, what I didn't realize was I was like, okay, I want to step on stage. And I hired, you know, Chris Jantz, your mentor, because he's one of the best in the business around here at doing that. And uh, hired Will, your friend Will, to train me, you know. But the first thing they said was, okay, for the next year, you need to get bigger. It's like, wait, 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 wait. My goal was to, for vanity purposes as well, I want to get this body to the, the best possible composition to prove myself, like, or see what I got under the hood. So I wanted to get on stage to, to, to really see what I had under the hood. And the first thing that I was told was, at least for the next year, you need to just gain weight. I was like, huh? You know, and I went from one... 55 or 165 to 196 so it wasn't like a little bit of weight like I ended up putting on 40 pounds to turn around and take that down to 148 it's like a real life Luther Vandross like gaining and losing 50 pounds you know and I was trying to do it in the most healthy way possible but that was a wake-up call for me I didn't know it was a 24 month commitment I want to get on stage in eight months. How do you get me there? No, 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 no. It's going to be 24 months. So is that something that you're kind of doing now in like integrative, you know, coaching is like, hey, here's a realistic time frame. Here's like, you know, we got to build up. And I know you're not trying to get people on stage, but like this, this literally, I think, layers over to any goal. You know, it's like, no, we have to build up the capacity to get here. And then we can kind of, start to go in this direction and then we can work on power production and then we can put the whole thing together. You know, I mean, I think that's training in general. It's like, oh, hey, you want to deadlift 400 pounds? Okay, well, we got to put together a foundational frame for you to be able to tolerate a 400 pound external load before we begin building towards that external load. So 
I mean, are those kind of similar? Is this kind of in in line of what was going on there, or how you started to kind of like make the segue into integrative? Or, or? yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely kind of how that evolved, and I would say that you know people people want what they want based on what they see, and a lot of times they you know they don't know what they don't know, and as a coach, obviously you're gonna speak from experience and where you've been, and it's important to not, you know, shatter people's hopes and dreams or, you know, crush their spirit when it comes to them wanting to reach the goal. But you're also, they're coming to you for guidance on how to walk that path. And it's super important that you communicate thoroughly so that nothing is, you know, left untold or unshared or on the table for them to understand what really goes into that and getting from A to Z um, because then it gives them the opportunity to determine if that's really what they want to pursue. Like you yeah. said, in your case, you know, yeah, a lot of times you are going to have to gain weight because you can't just whittle yourself away and be a bean pole and get on stage and expect there's a criteria that that's there. And I think a lot of people think they're just going to get up there and they're going to do what they want to do based on how they look and the vision that they have. But there's a certain criteria and they're up against people that might meet that standard more naturally, like genetically. Right. And the harsh reality of, of the whole experience is it's all about how you look and you're being judged. Like it's a so, sport, right? And it's a, and there's some skill to it. Totally. Yeah. There there's there's a lot of skill in the way you prepare and, and the techniques that you use and how you go about doing that. Um but and you then how be, you show yourself on stage, right? Mm. Yeah, how you show yourself on stage. And And honestly, like, I've I've been kind of removed from that whole world for a few years now. And it's just, I took a different different route because of the work that I want to do and the way I want to impact people. Um, So I would definitely refer people out if that's something that they want to pursue. But in terms of, like, putting in perspective, you got to take into account all the aspects of of where your life is, you know. And... Mm -hmm kind of look at the ecology is what I like to call it the way that your life's made up of your relationships and your career and you know your fitness and all the aspects that are there and how are those aspects going to be incorporated into this process yeah you know you can't just neglect it and walk away and be like you know if you're a single guy in your 20s just doing your thing and you want to like buckle down and do a contest prep that's a great time to do it yeah but when you have other things that you're connected to and responsibilities and obligations, it's a whole different approach. And in fitness in general, if you're pursuing whatever fitness goal, it's important to account for all of those things because when you transform your body, your life's going to change. And if you don't know how to take on that change, then it's a rude awakening. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a perfect segue. I didn't want to get stuck, stuck on bodybuilding because in the many times that we spent together, it's, I mean, it's good that we spent that time on it because it was a big part of who you, like, who you were. It made me and it made me how you idea. transformed and where we're at today. Yep. Um. So it was a, an incredibly big, huge part. At least uh, you know, in the nine years that I've known you, you know, there was like, I mean, that was a big, big, big part. You know, and you're still really known for it. You know, it's like, I mean, you still go to Redwood Cafe here locally. 
and you grab the menu, there's the barber's bicep bolt. So like there is truly a menu item at a restaurant here locally named after him. Your face is on the menu, you know, along with your mentor and, and, and a few other, you know, awesome, you know, kind of meal choices, which was really, really cool because you penetrated the local market at a level of a restaurant to bring quality, healthy nutrition to the public because, hey, let's just face it, eating out really isn't an option when you're training for a show and it became one at Redwood Cafe. You could go there and you could actually have something that might has macros on the menu, you know, so that was pretty cool. Um, moving to where we're at today, I wanted to just ask a question. If there was like one thing that you would like the audience to know before we like really get started about Apex Lifestyles or Chris Barba, like what, what would that one thing be if you wanted them to know one thing about you or your company? Yeah, I think I'll share something about Apex Lifestyles because that's really who I am. Like I embody everything about what that is and, and it's the way my life operates as well so there's very little contrast there um and i can kind of circle back on that when we talked about michael um Gerbeus and your craft you know and this is my craft and it's it's what i'm passionate about and apex lifestyles is really a holistic approach to transforming people's lives and we just start with working on the health and fitness as the foundation you know and, and my intention my intentions are always to work with people on a a deeper, you know, broader level, um, just looking at their life as a whole, but the commonality and, you know, what most people seek me out for is nutrition and exercise. And I just know that that's only one facet of people's life. And if that's right, and if that's, you know, in place, then other areas are going to be able to, to benefit from that. So, so you use the language of nutrition and fitness to get into a conversation and leverage that conversation into deeper connections outside of the gym as well as inside the gym. You show how like, hey, when we become disciplined or structured in our manner of food, we get good results. When we become structured and disciplined within reason to our exercise, we get good results. And that happens through consistency over time. And when you take that and you apply that to your relationships, to parenting, to your business, you know, those those solid foundational principles of, you know, structure, discipline, and consistency over time, really good things happen. And a caveat to that is you have to understand why you're doing any of it in the first place or it will halt at some point. If you don't really know why you're doing it, you'll lose this cliche term out there that's so overused in my my opinion, which is motivation. Like motivation or willpower. Like two things that will end. They're fleeting. They're they're, you know, in the moment I might be motivated. But like David Goggins would say, is your ass motivated to still run the two miles when you open the door and it's fucking 10 degrees uh, below freezing in Chicago, snowing, and it's 4 a.m.? Nah, you turn around and sit your ass back down on the couch. Like, 
like, are you still motivated when that happens? No, like at that point, like you got to know why you got to know why you're getting out that house. And, uh, you've done such a great job in integrating that. I do want to take it. You brought up Michael Gervais, like Michael Gervais is, um, probably my favorite sports psychologist, uh, operates finding mastery podcast. And he always says that we can train our, our mind, our body, and our craft. Those are the three things we can train. So would it, I had a question to ask you later on if there was one that is your favorite. And so is your favorite to train your craft or your mind, your mind, your mind? Yeah. But your craft encompasses training of the body and mind. Exactly. And I think, and I, I jotted a few things down cause that's actually something that I love. I heard him say as well. And it really struck me, you know, it kind of narrows it down. He's really good about like being precise with where your focus needs to be and just identifying specific areas. And if those areas are in place, then it's a, it's a domino effect. So I think whatever it is to, to train your craft really comes down to eliminating the contrast between your craft and when you're not in your craft, you know? if my craft is being in the gym and building people's bodies through fitness and coaching. And then when I'm not there, if there's a large contrast as there was in the beginning of my career and it's a double standard, then you're not up to par with what your craft needs to be. Like when you leave your lifestyle should pretty much mirror the way that you just advised and coached people. And it's going to vary at times you're going to adapt based on the circumstances but i think uh all of that so you're saying he because he also says the way you do small things is the way you do all things so I, i think what i'm hearing you say is like if i present myself in a specific way inside the gym that better be the way that i'm presenting myself outside the gym in my life as well if i'm doing if i'm asking someone to focus on the smallest of contraction in a movement, then I must also be focused outside the gym on the very small details that make up the sum total as well. Like I can't be one way in coaching and training and have expectation for clientele that I don't have for myself. I hold the standard, I think is uh, Logan uh, uh, Galbraith, I think is his last name. I'll have to look that up. I don't want to butcher it, but he owns Deuce Gym down there and he's releasing a book called going right but i think hold the standard is his hashtag and he just had like the hold the standard summit you know and it's like i really like that explanation you know i haven't dove too deeply into his stuff on like i said i'm waiting the book but like holding the standard you know is, is i think a way that i would explain what i'm hearing you say is it does that sound you know in line or is yeah. that absolutely and it's i think it's character too like character kind of parallels that and it's just your way of operating in life and um you know training the body is a lot of my life revolves around that but i feel like training the mind is really the conduit to how well your craft is gonna gonna turn out and how well you're gonna be in tune with training the body and as far as like mind training and 
an exercise to really just sharpen that and be able to it's really focus to be able to focus and have a one-pointed focus and you know I know Warren Buffett and Bill Gates they were great friends growing up and the one thing that they did better than anyone else was just focus on one thing they just they were able they both said they were able to focus and just be consistent and persistent with that focus until it turned out and have you read the book the one thing no, but I've I've listened to interviews yeah. and they talk about that in there. There's there's a good book called The One Thing, but I mean it was that you just summarized it. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you may. Him and I discuss books all the time. We read a lot, so it just made me think of a book. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut him off, but that is part of the conversational experience that you have on a show. So this is kind of what happens. But you were saying that. Yeah, I was saying in in terms of mind training. Um, there's a really great book called The Power of Awareness. It's a very quick read, very small book, and it packs a pretty big punch um, around the mind and ability to focus and imagination. And the it's written by Neville. And so the exercise, and I recommend everyone try this. It's, it's difficult at first, but I do it quite a bit. And it's basically allows you to focus on two constants within your day, which is you're going to wake up and you're going to go to bed. Those happen every single day regardless, but everything in between, you're either proactive in creating and being intentional, or you're just the victim of everything happening to you and just getting drugged through that until you make it back to your your bed at the end of the day. And so what he wants you to do is that night when you lay down, do a visual recital in your mind's eye, just close your eyes from the time you lay down, reverse, um, envision every step that you took throughout that day all the way back until the time you got out of bed and see how how well you can focus and bring back that image of just laying down whatever you did before bed eating dinner going through with clients all the interactions you had and look at the things and how they played out and the events and see them if if they didn't go the way you wanted them to to go see them how they would go if they did go your way and just check mark all the way back down to the time you're you're back in bed and it's super freeing to go through that process it's a little bit exhausting because you realize how difficult it really is for you to focus and when you wake up the next morning it's like a blank slate you have a, a new day a, a brand new day that you can just create until you come back to bed and uh if you can do that a few nights in a row it's it's pretty powerful because so it's like your whole day in rewind and changing anything that you feel didn't go you the way. Rewind your subconscious, really. And you feel it, too. You feel the reset and you get to rest on that and just be clear with that was the day. Yeah. And I'm going to bed now and I'm not taking it with me. So you brought up something really good. I didn't have this to ask you, but what I one thing that I have been learning over time, and I think you probably agree, is that highly successful people have you know a morning routine or a morning ritual that starts their day off like real well and a lot of them even have like an evening ritual you just gave us one piece uh or or a you know a thing that you could do in the evening it doesn't sound like you do it every night but it's a powerful tool that you could pull out when you feel like it's necessary but how does your day start what's a day like a day in the life do you have like a normal 
every day I do these few things before my day gets started routine? Or is that an area you're looking to to grow? I mean, I think you're always looking to grow. So, I mean, that's a kind of a no-brainer question. But, like, what's the morning routine look like? Yeah, I... Honestly, I'm pretty. I'm a pretty flexible person. I like to kind of adapt based on how my body's feeling. So, I like to give myself two hours in the morning to actually like get on my feet and get going and kind of like warm warm myself up before I take my first client or go off to do whatever I need to do. Um, so that might differ depending on you know when my when my first client is or my first meeting. And I'll wake up two hours prior to that. I like to start by reading. And just kind of, you know, prime my mind and just read something, you know, right now I'm reading um, How the Mind Works by Thich Nhat Hanh. It's a Buddhist, Buddhist, you know, it's a good book. oriented book. It's a great book. And I'll just read for a half an hour or so. Um, just chill with my dog before my daughter wakes up, before my wife wakes up and give my time, myself that time to just kind of be in silence. And um, some days... I meditate. Coffee, no coffee, water, no water. I, I definitely drink water when I get up. I'll drink okay. like 20 or 30 ounces. I try to just load water and get my metabolism going and get my body hydrated. Um, not a big coffee drinker. I, I drink Spark, I'll be honest. That's my, my drink of choice in the morning. Okay. And, you know, just kind of chill and just be, be in silence. And sometimes I'll meditate. Um, sometimes I'm just full of ideas and I like to think a tape think a tape all right you know? well, what is what does meditate look like to you what like when you like you're talking about I've seen on your Instagram you know you sitting cross-legged with your fingers touching on your knees like you know is that how you meditate in the morning or is meditation just deep thought to you or is it you know absence of thought or do you use headspace or like or what's what's think a tape like ex- yeah. explain that one. Um, well, the the meditating for me, it's it's such a cliche thing. I feel like everyone is trying to pursue a certain result or a certain outcome, and that really defeats the purpose altogether. For me, I just I do have a meditation pillow, and when I feel like you know silence and just focused breathing is is best for me to just start my day, then I'll just do mindful breathing and just you know, let go of tension in my body and just tune in with where my body is and, you know, clear my, my mind of thoughts, not try to turn my mind off. That's, that's never going to happen, but, um, just not be so attached to my thoughts and just kind of let them be there and be aware of them and sharpen that awareness. Um, the thinkitating actually picked up from, uh, um, Tom Bilyeu. Okay. Impact theory. Yeah. An impact theory. And he was talking to, I think it was the guy that started Mind Valley, and it was kind of an idea that I had. I just never really could put a, a term to it. But I would sit down to meditate, and all these ideas would start coming, and I'm just like, I'm a, I'm just like a brainstormer. So I'm always like on to something new and coming up with ideas and creating. And I'd try to be in silence and try to just you know let my thoughts be there and not be attached to them or like overthink. And I'd have all these ideas start coming and ideas that would be relevant to whatever I'm working on at the time. So what he recommended is just sit there and be in that space, but get a notebook and capture those ideas and just get present to 
to what's coming up and what's being presented to you and capture them and then determine which ones you want to act on. Absolutely, man. I totally think of Tate when I'm driving. Oh, yeah. That's like where all my best thoughts occur. And I know it's not safe, but I try to record them via audio or something or I'll pull over and jot stuff down. Um, sometimes I have my greatest speeches that will never get heard, you know, in my head. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish I captured that one. You can ne- like I, I ne- I'm never able to reproduce it as amazingly as it sound. And it could be a lot like the L pull up photo that I posted today where like I thought I was an L, but I was more like a V, you know. And so maybe these speeches in my head are not as great as I th- thought they were. And then when I redo them, maybe they're better. But, like, I don't know. You know, you're just driving and you're thinking and just ideas are free-flowing. And, and it's just a, it's such a great place to capture, you know, thoughts. And, and I do. I know you as a brainstormer, super introspective. I'm introspective. You know, one of the reasons, like, we had 200 meetings before we started working on a project together was because we're brainstormers, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there was so much to be gained by the fellowship and just the validation of there is another individual who is a lot like me, you know, and so maybe I'm not so crazy. And at the same time, I think we could push each other to take some action on some things and get better together. Since we both like to grow, we can force each other to take these brainstorms and put them to action, you know, and it's it's really cool to be doing that. And before we move on to like some, some fun topics, um, how do you feel about meditate versus mindful i heard you use both terms and is there a reason you feel you used both terms and are they the same the i feel like they've been molded into one for like western culture's sake um our minds are already full so i i find it odd that mindful is the the term associated with that action and in my opinion, mindful is like the prerequisite to being aware of what it feels like to meditate. Like how people meditate, if you go to a, a actual temple, um, you know, I spent some time in Thailand and go into a temple where monks are meditating for hours and hours a day and be in the presence of that, like there's, there's not, no mindfulness there like it's a straight up state and like a way of being there there isn't anything else outside of them meditating that's just their their mo yeah that's all they do and that's how life just works around that instead of them trying to work around life and so i feel like the mindfulness part is kind of like western jargon um meditation in in itself doesn't really have a definition outside of being still yeah well i mean being still i don't even think that encompasses it because if you read Thich Nhat Hanh's book you know he he's written meditate while walking meditate Mm -hmm. while washing dishes meditate while driving like he is like really embodied the fact that you could be meditating while doing the dishes like you know I do the dishes every night before I go to bed. It's an OCD thing. I don't like any dishes in the sink, you know, and sometimes I don't like to do it, but it's part of my nighttime routine ritual is, you know, floss my teeth, brush my teeth, uh, 
make sure all the dishes are done, go pull my covers back, set my book out, turn on my nightlight, you know, um, make sure the doors are locked, make sure the house is clean. It's kind of something that my mom ingrained in me over the years of like these, all these little OCD things that we, we tend to do. And then I go get in bed, make sure my alarm's set, and then I read for a half hour, you know, but I used to hate doing the dishes. That's, that's what I started talking about. And, uh, he was saying, like, talk to the dishes while you're doing them, you know? And, like, I haven't really gotten there. I haven't been able to do it where I'm like, oh, plate, thank you for feeding me today. Like, I am so grateful that you were able to hold my ahi tuna in such a way that allowed me to eat. Like, I just really still want to be done with the dishes. But the few times that I have actually just got there and was there with the dishes and was washing them, I mean, it flew by. It was, like, no big deal. Now, circling back to meditation and the, and the question that I asked you, and maybe maybe this was my way of bringing up meditation and mindfulness, it, it pisses me off that, I'm just going to be honest, it pisses me off that we are so sensitive to certain terms and so pre-judgmental like, on things that could be so beneficial that we literally have to change the fucking word so people will be open to trying it. Like the reality, I think mindful, mindfulness and mindfulness practice has developed because when you said meditate, people were like, oh, no, I don't meditate. No, that shit ain't for me. Isn't that for monks and, you know, and Buddhists and da, 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 da. And it's like, that's such ignorance. Like, no, why don't you find out about it? Why don't you get curious? And I, I think, you know, I mean, I think that's why I'm an educator and that's why you're an educator because it's like, I know I'm a little heated about it right now. I'm showing a little bit of my, my frustration. But in America, we're just so sensitive. And at the same time, it's like, I use Headspace. Why do I use Headspace? It's a 10-minute guided meditation. You know, some might call it mindful practice. But it's 10 minutes. You know, and so it's like, I know I can fit that into my day. Because it's only going to take 10 minutes, so I'll do it. But if I'm only there for 2 or 3 minutes out of the 10, like... Ultimately, am I, is it a wise use of my time? I don't know. But the reality is like we want everything shortened. We want to get there now. We want to just have the answer. you know. And I just think the, the whole idea of mindfulness was a marketing like ploy to be able to get meditation more mainstream, have people be more aware of it and be open to it. And from that aspect, I'm glad because maybe that's how I got into it. But it's like, why are we so damn sensitive? No, it's fucking meditation. So learn about it. And then do what works for you. If you can meditate while walking, meditate while driving, or figure out that like being in a flow state when you're, you know, swimming down a creek, like is what's flow state for you. And that's what meditation means to you. Great. But why do we have to change the term for you to even entertain something that could be good for you? I don't know. It's just like, it's a marketing thing to me and it really bothers me. And it's like, oh man, if I call it this, you'll listen to me. And if I call it this, you, you totally like turn me off. And you know, I, have you read motivational interviewing? Yeah. I, I, what I love that they've done in that book is they're like, you know, the person has already created the argument in their head for or against. Totally. So it's like, I know why meditation might be good for me. I know why meditation might be bad for me. So if Chris, the coach, says, you need to meditate, 
the bad for me person automatically takes over and goes, no, I don't do it because I don't need to do da But if I were like, you shouldn't meditate as a coach, they'd be like, no, these are all the reasons maybe I should. You know, and it's like, it's just like automatic to be combative. Yeah. It's so frustrating why we're all like, just so automatic to be combative. I, I know I went on a, on a huge tangent, but that's why I asked you the mindfulness meditation kind of question because I just feel like we have to sugarcoat everything, you know? And, like, I couldn't take aspirin when I was young. My mom had to crush it up and add it with sugar and water and, like, you know, put it on a spoon. But it's like, and I, I think about it, it's like, no, I just need to learn to swallow the damn pill. My 15-year-old son just learned how to swallow the pill. You know why? There was no alternative. They yeah. couldn't get the prescription in any other alternative in time, and he had croup, and he was so sick and tired of coughing, he swallowed it. And now he knows how to swallow. He swallowed four at a time, like the following day. It was like his mind over matter, you know what I mean? But it's like, sometimes you just got to do it, you totally. know? And it's just frustrating. I have total, total, total tangent. But you were, so we were talking about thinkitating. We were talking about your morning ritual. Yeah. So you've gotten up, you've, you've done some reading. You drink your spark. Your spark is a uh, is a uh, caffeine, caffeine, or... some amino acids, and uh, some vitamins and minerals. Cool. Twenty different vitamins and minerals. Um, Super good flavors. And then you do some thinkitating and or brainstorming. At this point, as you, are your child and wife waking up, stirring about, or do you um, still got I some time like, to eat? And... I have about an hour of time. Okay. By myself, and unless my wife gets up, she'll go to the gym sometimes, and then I'll just be chilling. Um, until baby wakes up, but, uh, yeah, then I'll get some breakfast in, and I usually have prepared the night before for, you know, what I need for the day ahead, and then I'll head off and just be with my clients, and it's, uh, it's a fairly laxed process. I mean, there's, there's not a lot, it's hard for me sometimes to think that that's, like, what I do for a job, um, just because I that's how I operate. Like if I was with someone out of my house or somewhere in public, I'm going to have those conversations and I'm going to engage with people the same way that I do, you know, for an hour period of time when I'm with someone. And it's just, there's no contrast there. What, what so, about evening ritual? Do you have an evening ritual? Uh, evening ritual, not, not very like rigid, but I usually, I won't check my phone after nine. Like I won't reply to anything. Um, after that point and from like 9 30 on i'm not gonna be like dealing with screen time or any of that stuff um so i'm either gonna be reading or just winding down you know chilling out um talking with kayla or just laying low you know foam rolling yeah i do a lot at night okay it's, there's a lot of foam rollers in people's living rooms that don't get any attention so it's good to see a foam roller on someone's carpet and see that it's been moved <laughs> yeah no it's kind of we're we're doing this interview in my house and there is literally a foam roller on the ground and another one over here and then i think there's like a orb somewhere maybe around the corner but uh yes yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of funny uh you didn't see us laughing kind of as we were talking about that but i was pointing to the foam roller uh so you don't have a rigid nighttime or morning routine i heard recently ed Milet put it as like we have to honor the promises that we make to ourselves, And when you honor the promises that you make on a daily basis, you build self-confidence. But if you don't honor those prom- 
promises. You can build self-doubt and you could start with the most simple things. And it sounds like to me, some promises that you've made to yourself are make sure that you have quality time by yourself in the morning so that you can, you know, think, brainstorm, read, you know, kind of energize, you know, kind of charge yourself up for the day and then get some food in you and then have the rest of your food prepared so that you could go be the best you could be for your clients. And in the evening, it sounds like, you know, making sure the phone is down and and screen time's away and you get some quality time with your wife and quality time with your child and making sure you're in bed at a a reasonable time and taking care of your body physically or some of the promises that, that you've made that kind of keep you confident and keep you moving forward to do what you do, which is change lives. I mean, you, you, you've changed so many lives and it's, it's really easy to point you to his website and say, look at these testimonials, but like testimonials don't even begin to explain how much he's changed so many people's lives. So um, I just want to thank you for We're not done here, but I want to thank you for doing what you do because it's coaches like you that are, you know, taking people in the right direction. And I think what personal training is moving forward in the future. Like we're no longer just, hey, do a squat, do 10 and let me count for you. Like, in fact, I don't count a single rep for any of my clients. It bothers some of them, but I'm like, I'm not going to count, you know, and I was doing some math today, but it was like, I'm not going to count to 10 over 96 times a day when I'm here for eight hours doing, you know, such a high volume. Like that's not my expertise counting to 10. And I'm sure you know how to count to 10 by now, you know, and every direction, you know, (laughs) so it's like, and sometimes it's 15 and I know you could even count to 20 if it's 20, you know, and I know you can count to 30 seconds if it's 30 seconds or listen to that little buzzer up there. But like, I want to focus my attention on, you know, seeing your verbal cues and your nonverbal cues and seeing how your body's in position and, you know, asking, asking you about your day and how you came in. And I know you coach like that in, in such a, a great way. So I just want to thank you for the impact you're having here in Sonoma County and, and brought and like even further than that, you know, um, I really appreciate that, you know, and I appreciate the acknowledgement and it's definitely, uh, right back at you, you know, cause I know what you're doing and what you stand for and the lives that you're impacting as well. And it's just, you know, we're fortunate to be able to have that opportunity and have those people that, that trust us and, you know, are willing to, you know, be with us in that process. So yeah, man. it's a, it's a blessing for sure. And I think I want to add something to, to what you said about Ed Milet yeah. talking about honoring your promises. Cause I just had this conversation last night with Kayla. Um, I came home and it was like eight o'clock and she was going to go off to the gym. She had been with the baby all day and was super worn out and just tired and was like I should go I should go and talk about honoring your promises and commitments like she's she's militant when it comes to that and if she says she's going to do it she's going to do it um regardless of the circumstances but I just she was asking me if she should go which I mean no one's going to make decisions for you you got to make that decision but I just said are you going to honor your pride or are you going to honor yourself and is it your body that wants to go to the gym or is it your mind wanting to follow through and get the check mark for saying you're going to do it and checking it off the list what would be the most advantageous to your well-being right now staying home and resting and stretching and just going to bed on time or going in the gym forcing yourself and just getting through it so that you can say you did it and she made the right decision yeah but 
you got to honor yourself from an authentic standpoint, not your pride, because that's going to lead to overtraining. It's going to lead to injury. It's going to lead to fatigue and um, resentment. Yeah, we see a lot of that too. I think, you know, I I love wearables. I wear a wearable. I wear a whoop, you know, to get data back and whatnot. But I, I, man, it's, I don't know if you have this, but I have so many clients that, that have the, you know, iWatch and they're coming in, they're like, look, 27 days in a row. And it's like, when did you rest? Oh, I rest. What'd you do? Oh, I ran 10 miles. And it's like, that's not rest. Like, you know, and I, I love and appreciate where technology is going to keep people accountable. And I think people have to make sure that they honor learning and understanding like how their body responds to these things and and learn to be intuitive also so if technology has told me that you know i didn't recover and i shouldn't train and i've had some of my best training days and technology's told me like i'm fully recovered and when i went in and got under the weight i was like i can't pick this weight up today i've got to drop back and wait but technology told me i was fully prepared to handle that kind of weight but for whatever reason technology is fallible you know to the extent of like they didn't know my stress load you know they didn't they measured it to the best of their ability but they don't know what might have occurred occurred right before i went to the gym and therefore if i just followed technology says i should be able to crush it in the gym today i could be you know demotivated by the fact that like as soon as i got under that barbell like (laughs) Didn't feel like I was, I was getting crushed, you know, not able to crush it. So I had to dial my training back or or, or take a day off or, you know, and I, I just think like, do you still track your macros all the time or do you intuitively do it or do you do it some of the time or like, how is your tracking of nutrition playing a role in your life today? Um, it's all intuitive, 100%. I don't track anything um i know the value in tracking and um if i wanted to track it would get me on a path and it would create a a more linear trajectory for me to get to where i want to go um but for right now and and what my my life looks like and the way my fitness is going it just feels right to be intuitive and um, my workouts are the same you know, I get four weight training workouts in a week. That's my goal. Two days of cardio as well. And that's kind of like the non-negotiable. But when I do the workout, I log what I do. So I have a reference point for the next week. But like you said, life's not operating in algorithms, right? So I'm not just going to automatically be trying to progress every week. It's more about the act of getting in there and stimulating my body and being being present yeah, man. in the workout. Well, and I think you just kind of define the value of a coach, right? Because like our goal is to teach people how to, you know, do this for themselves. And that's come through, you know, hours and hours and hours of you training and tracking and paying attention and, and understanding what foods enhance your capacity to do certain things and which foods don't and, you know, when to eat and how to eat. And now you can kind of do it without like measuring and get a desired result and if you needed to dial it in it's a tool you have and if you you know aren't worried about it it's it's still conscious awareness of like if i'm I'm going in the wrong direction there's like a closer wall to say like all right man i'm i'm a little too loose right now you know and i can tighten this down and i know what i need to do to do that 
both training and and that's training age. That's just experience and repetitions, you know, and it's like this mind training, you know, everything we do, it, it is it's, it's repetitions, you know, and it's like it can be mental repetitions just as well as physical repetitions. And I think that's one thing that I, I would like our, you know, customers to know over time is like and what I teach a lot of my clients is like, are you doing the mental repetitions? Like, what kind of mental repetitions are you doing? Are you doing a lot of bad reps in between seeing me? Or, you know, are you visualizing good reps? And I'm talking about, you know, reps with positive self-talk, negative self-talk, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's like, what what kind of repetitions are you doing? Which is like a, a good segue. Um, we're probably going to have to cut this into two episodes. You know what I mean? I can't keep you away from your family all night long and, and you and I could just go and go and go but it's a good segue to say like you and i are working on a project together now um you know we don't want to share a lot of it because what we decided all right guys sorry we got uh max time limited out uh 60 minutes before i gotta go into a new segment and what we were about to say right there was um Chris and I are working on a project together and I just, you know, we don't want to share everything about it because we want to do it and have it be complete and then we want to share it with the world and since both of us are, are brainstormers and we create a lot of content but, um, you know, are, are excited about really composing this content and gifting it to the world, um, yeah, I just, I want you to tell them what what does the project mean to you how would you summarize it in a few sentences to kind of get them excited about what we might be putting out yeah absolutely it's it means a lot honestly and it's a very personal um, project i know for you as well it, it really resonates from your journey but it's at the forefront of my mind on a regular basis and i really feel like it's um where my life's work is, is going in terms of helping people transform their lives. And to really sum it up, I guess the way I would put it is we're working to create um, a level of congruency between an individual's mind, body, and the story that they have about those elements, um, mostly through speech, through language, because we use language as a metaphor to try to describe or share with others how we're thinking mentally and how we're feeling physically and that really sums up the experience that we have called life um and for a lot of people they're they're suffering and they're trapped in that and fitness is a way for them to try to get out of that but it ends up becoming a hamster wheel that uh has no end you know and so for us as coaches i feel like we have an obligation to really just give people an alternative perspective and help them see their way out of that through fitness, but then build on the progress. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, you hit the nail on the head and, you know, in the day and age that we want so bad to belong and in a world where there are so many plug and play options uh, to what might help them embark on this fitness journey it's no wonder why people get lost. And we want to share with our audience that you can 
Find the path that is right for you that's going to get you where you need to go and still fit in because people are going to like the confidence. People are going to like the discipline. People are going to like the structure. They're going to like the change. Some of them won't like the change they see in you, to be honest, and you might lose some friends, but like you're going to like you. And when you like you, you're going to have that community that you're looking for. So, you know, to plug into you know, keto or CrossFit or bodybuilding or if it fits your macros and think that that is the solution because your friends do it and to find out that it really isn't fulfilling to you is kind of the roadmap we want to like put out there for you, you know, and how to kind of like decipher that and kind of how to like, you know, be okay. More, more than anything, we want to help people give themselves permission to do what feels right to them. And it's such an exciting project, man. I'm 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 just ecstatic to be working on it. You know, and it is it's my life's work, it's your life's work, and we're trying to pull it together and create just like this really cool resource for everyone. So stay tuned for that. That will be coming out. You know, everything good takes work and we're putting, you know, working this on a bi-week, like all, all week long, we're always working on it, but we're getting together on a, on a bi-weekly time table to just like continue to create and put this together for you guys. So super excited about that. Um, we got to wrap this up and have Chris back, but before we wrap this up, do you have a few, few moments for some like quick hitters? Let's do it. Cool. So beer or wine? I saw that question and I, I have to say tequila. I want, I want some good tequila served up neat. Um, I'll, I'll take an invite to go wine tasting, but beer just does me wrong. All right. Tequila. Uh, we'll save that story for another day. And me and tequila, uh, steak or fish steak, broccoli or kale, broccoli, super salad, salad. You kind of already answered this one. Coffee, hot or iced. I'll take an iced coffee, but my drink of choice. When it comes to caffeine, it's definitely spark. Um, just I can't drink hot coffee. I've never finished a hot coffee. Man, I don't know why. Isn't he missing out? Uh, maybe he's not. You know what I mean? Um, wow. No, I think I. Would, you know, I don't like beer or wine. I don't even know why I asked you the question because I don't. <laughs> it's relatable. I mean, it's relatable. Yeah, <laughs> I like. I like wine on occasion, I would say. So if it was beer or wine, I, I would probably pick wine. But like tequila, man. I can't do shots, though. I mean, I'm talking like... So you sip it. An hour-long conversation, doing a podcast interview, sipping it straight. All right. So the next interview, I will make sure we got some Patron here. Oh, and man. we'll sip that neat <laughs> while we're chatting it up. Because we're going to definitely do this again. If you had two minutes to leave a message to the world, what would you want them to know? That's a big one. Um, make your number one priority to seek self-awareness and self-acceptance. I really feel like all all results evolve out of that, no matter where you are in life. Like, And if you don't pursue that, you're going to end up in the face of that, feeling obligated to like, take it on and it's going to feel like pressure and it's going to feel like depression and anxiety and stress and I feel in my opinion that that's the most overlooked and underrated aspect of growth 
we should be teaching that to children um you know and and what that really means self-awareness is realizing you're more than your body or what you see in yourself and self-acceptance is having no shame or fear and revealing yourself when you accept yourself okay man that's deep i mean i yeah that that could be a whole podcast in and of itself but but if you if you really camp out on those two two elements i mean life will will grow it'll be a beautiful life so love it uh introvert or extrovert depends on the day yeah (laughs) on sundays i'm an introvert but I, i i love people i love being with people and um I definitely am extroverted and, you know, wanting to try new things and have new experiences and just talk to people. Yeah. But there's times where I'm just like, I'm done here. I'm turning off. I'm how, do, how do you recharge? Alone or with people? Uh, with my wife, my daughter, or I just go out to the beach. So alone. Alone. So yeah. you're probably more introverted if we were to take the test, but you probably have taught yourself to be extroverted. Yeah, and I used to have a lot of social anxiety, you okay. know, because I was I was on that path of self-acceptance and self-awareness, and it would manifest as social anxiety, but then people would compliment me on how social I was and how easily I could talk to people, but in my perception, that turned out as super anxious and fearful. Okay. And now I'm past that, and it's, I love talking to people, and I love being, you know, on on a a podcast like this and this is probably five years overdue but uh i'm happy to be here yeah man uh, a couple more and we'll get out of here what does gratitude mean to you just not taking anything for granted like being i mean it means being grateful obviously but uh just really like really acknowledging and honoring what life's given you and and you know what's available all right last question of the day what is your next fitness event that you want to tackle i know you've done half iron man we did a little short 10 man together what is like what's the next feat Uh, you know i've really been thinking about like some mountaineering like like spelunking like in a cave like claustrophobic style or like no no like cave like, cave hiking or anything like that but like you know climbing a climbing a mountain dude like climb Mount Shasta or do something I just like the the extremeness I like mean, that's like free solo the documentary no, no, like I'm, I'm not doing any of that it makes me sweat sitting on my couch yeah. but uh, I don't want to do any type of like rope climbing or anything but just like you know. So it's just a really fun, difficult... Like, climbing Mount Everest has always appealed to me in a a twisted way. Um, I don't know if I want to take that on, but, you know, something... Was Shasta 14,000 feet and and Everest is 21 or something like that? Yeah, there's no, you know, ice crevices and I won't need any Sherpas. Right now you might. At Shasta, yeah, there's there's a good chance. The snow's dumped, man. My family's down there and from the fires... Like making the trees weak, oh. and then it snowed, and the weight of the snow broke all the trees, and then the snow melted, and the rain came, and then everything flooded. Mudslides. And so they had slides, and I mean, man, Redding just took a beating. But Shasta, like the mountain, is 
still an hour north of there, but I just know they got like snow on snow on snow. What a what a crazy year. So some mountaineering, man. Yeah. Um do you like to snowboard or ski? Snowboard all the way. I was just, I was actually a snowboard and ski tech for three years as a teenager and so I was like doing everything you can think of from snowboard repairs to binding mounts and uh I took French. This is something most people don't know. In high school, I took French. I should have taken Spanish. My plan was that I was going to live in Tahoe. For some reason, I thought everyone spoke French at the ski resorts, and I convinced my mom that French was a better option. And now I can't speak a word of French. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. I never knew that about you. Yeah. So we're going to have to get out to the slopes and, and uh, do some snowboarding, man. I, I've been biting at the bullet to get back out there. Yeah. And, I, uh, well, that... that, oh, that kind of uh spark something in me too i, I want to go heli skiing huh like i don't know if i'm gonna do a sporting event i haven't committed heli skiing or heli boarding heli boarding heli boarding yeah i got a friend that would do that with you i'm not on that like go no. to whistler yeah. or somewhere uh my uh scott will do that with you he want he wants to do that and he's just crazy enough let you know to to do so but i'm not i am a um I'm an adult snowboarder with kids, yeah. so I am like, you know, like, I'll take some chances, but I really, I, I like, you know, the cruising down the groomed blues and hitting a few blacks and like, you know, doing a little bit in the trees, but like the knee slappers and the jumping and whatnot, like, I've done that and I think my knee's still injured and it's just like, it's it's fun and like i still want to feel young enough to do it so i do that when i'm with them and maybe that's ego talking but like if i have my day of snowboarding like written out for me it's show up in the mountain get out there hit runs till about like 11 30 just kind of cruising down the mountain 11 30 12 come down eat have like a beer you know it's like weird it's the only time i really like beer is when i'm snowboarding like an ice cold beer and then like get back up on the mountain and snowboard till about like three you know, and then come back down and like chill out and just kind of like warm back up and then and then cruise home. Like that's like my perfect day of snowboarding. And it goes like that some of the time. But, you know, when I go with these 25 year olds and 26 year olds, like some other stuff occurs. Yeah, but, that sounds like a great day. I'm always up for some groomers and some uh, just carving and, you know, getting in some good quality runs. I don't need to be going going flying off cliffs but a part of me likes that yeah dude definitely i mean it's just like as soon as you show up on that board right it's like yeah let's do this it's just an element yeah chris thank you man thank you so much for sharing your time um i know it's like the most valuable commodity is time right and like to to welcome you into my home and have you sit here for over an hour and a half and share this evening with me um knowing that your wife and kids are at home and share like our passion to deliver information that we've learned over time that's been helpful to us, to the people that we care about and that, that you know, consider us professionals. Um, it's, it's just such a, I mean, we just have a great job, man. And uh, I just really appreciate you sharing your word. Your word is, uh, is so amazing. I know that you impacted so many people today. So um, let's do this again, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really my pleasure. And if I'm going to spend time, it's these conversations that uh, just fuel me. And I, I love to, to share and just provide value for people, for your for your community. And um, 
yeah, if people want to want to find me or plug into uh, social networks, you can find me on Instagram at Chris Barber or at Apex Lifestyles. Is it just Chris Barber? No underscores, no hyphens. Oh man, you got me. You'll be able to find me at Chris yeah. Barber, but at Apex Lifestyles straight across, um, or tap into my wife's Instagram at uh, Kayla Halla, um, or apexlifestyles.com on the web. So. And that's Barber, B-A-R-B-O-U-R. Yes, correct. Right? Yeah, not like go get your haircut, Barber, but like like the true Barber. Um, yeah, man, like go out there. I, I generally do this. We talk so long. I, I had a mental lapse right there. But yes, go follow him on Instagram. You know, Chris Barber, I'm going to be featuring him on my page. So you'll be able to follow him there. Uh, Apex Lifestyles, I'll have tagged on my page. In fact, a couple posts back, they're both tagged. And Kayla Halla is also uh, on my page. Definitely follow her as well. She does incredible work with... Uh, you know, any, anyone actually, but she does incredible nutrition work with, you know, females that, uh, you know, want to make that change and need someone that understands them on like, you know, an emotional hormonal type level. So make sure you go follow Chris and until next time, man, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Matthew Freeman Show. As always, I greatly appreciate you giving me your most valuable commodity, and that is time. If you want to connect with me further, you can connect at Matthew Freeman, M-A-T-H-E-W-F-R-E-E-M-A-N on Instagram. I'm also Matthew Freeman Fitness on Facebook, Matt Freeman, my personal page on Facebook, Or you can shoot me an email, which I would really love, at M-A-T-H-E-W-F-R-E-E-M-A-N fitness at gmail.com. If you have something you'd like to hear uh, about, something you'd like to come on the show, anything of that nature, shoot me an email. Let's, Let's talk about it. As always, I'd appreciate you going over to iTunes, Stitcher, you know, Pocket Cast, wherever you happen to be listening to this show right now and give me a rating. Uh, The ratings help, you know, kind of drive my visibility up so others can hear. And if you would like to give me a five star, that would be absolutely amazing and appreciated. Also, I do this because it's a passion project of mine. I absolutely love sharing what I've learned and my thoughts on that. If you could do me one favor and share this with anyone and everyone that you think might benefit from something that occurred on the show, I'd absolutely greatly appreciate that as well. So thank you again for tuning into the Matthew Freeman Show. Any feedback is appreciated. And until the next episode, we'll talk to you then.